0: It's August, friends. We have finally made it. TCU football will be coming our way in about a month. Fall camp starts today. Players are reporting today. They'll get all their equipment. They'll get ready to go. And then practice starts tomorrow. We have almost made it through the offseason. Let's talk about all that and more next. It's Locked on Horn Frogs. You are locked on Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right, Locked On, Frog. your team every day. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. Uh, Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also find us wherever it is you get podcasts in its audio form. We're talking TCU football today. Can a freshman on the defensive line do something similar to what Dominic Williams did last year. We'll talk about that in segment one. Also, today, is this the final stand for the Pac-12 conference? There's some news leaking out that there's an important meeting happening this morning. And then finally, I will close with some basketball and baseball notes. All that coming up today on Locked on Horn Frogs. And we'll start in on football, right? I, I mentioned in the open, we've made it. Fall camp. Sort of officially starts today. Players are supposed to report today, so we'll get an idea of, you know, who's all there. If there's any surprises, I don't think there will be. Sonny Dykes alluded to the fact when he was on the Rich Eisen show uh, last week. He said, you know, fall camp is kind of like the marker now for college coaches because the transfer portal there's different windows, but a grad transfer could potentially leave at any time, and they're just mindful of the fact that a guy could decide right before fall camp, well, I want to go somewhere else and play immediately. I'm not saying that's going to happen. He didn't say that was going to happen. I think he was just speaking in generality giving an example of what could happen. But my point being, roster is getting finalized. We're going to see who's there. Uh, practice is going to start tomorrow, and we'll get a better idea of what this team looks like in a few weeks. And last year, one of the huge gets from the 2023 Um, Or, I guess I should say the 2022 recruiting class, excuse me. Sonny Dykes comes over, sort of a whirlwind recruiting process. And Dominic Williams was a defensive lineman that they were chasing after. It was between TCU and Cal. Jeremy Clark from 247 Sports reported that TCU worked really hard. They were up late into the night to secure Dominic Williams' commitment. They got him committed, they got him signed and he came over to TCU. One of the reasons they needed him, they moved to a 3-3-5 defense last season. They needed a big man in the middle at that nose guard position. Williams is listed at 6'2", 320 pounds. He fit that nose guard prototype really well and famously came in to spring ball, had a great offseason, did a great job at fall camp, won the starting job. And I believe when they played Colorado in the season opener last year, he was still 17 years old, which is crazy to think about. It's really difficult at this level for offensive and defensive linemen to come in and contribute immediately. Yesterday we discussed Chris uh, Brister, if you missed that news, new offensive line commit for TCU for the 2024 class, three-star player out of Stephenville. I think he's going to be a good player. He's got great size it's really tough to just step into a power five situation at any position. But there are some positions that translate more easily, that don't have as much physicality. O-line and D-line, you're getting hit every play. You have to impose your will on a play-by-play basis. And Dominic Williams was able to do that as a true freshman last year. Now you look at his stats, and the stats themselves are pretty modest. 27 tackles, 12 solo tackles, one and a half sacks, and one forced fumble. But you have to remember the job of the defensive line in Joe Gillespie's defense. One of those jobs is to basically just hold the line, clog up gaps, take attention, take up space, try to reestablish the line of scrimmage, and allow linebackers and safeties to come flying down to make plays. And Williams did that at a high level. He took on a lot of double teams, and he was physically good enough to not be moved, to not get shoved back, and be a consistent force at the point of attack in the middle. And as the year went on, we talked more about Dylan Horton, and that is going to be a huge piece to replace. Dylan Horton became somebody who could get to the quarterback, who could create sacks, create pressures. That's a big part of any defense. But the job that Dominic Williams did last season could not be understated. And it was a huge surprise, maybe not to the coaching staff, but I think to us as fans and as people who watch the team cover the team, it was a surprise. And it was a huge deal they were able to get him and get him in camp and get him up to speed quickly. And so I was wondering today, is there a defensive lineman in this upcoming recruiting class, or this past recruiting class, I should say, that will be a true freshman as fall camp begins tomorrow. That could step in and have a similar impact to Dominic Williams. Because as good as Dylan Horton was last year, you can make the argument that the way that Dom set the tone in the middle of defense was the biggest part of the transition from the 425 to the 335 uh last season for this team the candidates that I would think of the first two are highly rated defensive line prospects that came in this year Marcus deal, uh, from Garland, Texas, four-star player, 64 290 great frame. Um, does a great job of playing with, you know, great quickness has good pad level was a, uh, two-way lineman of the year as a junior in the A district had 41 tackles seven sacks and nine hurries as a senior last year at the high school level big time player one of the most highly rated defensive line recruits that tcu has ever had the pleasure of landing avion carter another guy four-star player from Amarillo, tascosa went and got him out of west texas Really impressive offer list. Oklahoma State, Arizona State, Baylor, Cal. um, Was the 2-5A Division I Defensive Player of the Year as a junior. Had an impressive senior season as well. I think both these guys are going to be really good for TCU football this year. However, I do have questions. I hope I'm wrong about this. And maybe these are players that could step up and come along as the year goes on. I just wonder... You know, one of the big advantages advantages for Dominic as far as contributing early, besides the fact that he is just built, you know, as as an imposing presence and as someone that can come in and get it done, was the fact that he got to go through spring ball. He got to go through reps, understand what the defense is doing, understand what his job was. <clears throat> and so when fall camp rolls around. He wasn't a vet, but he had a good foundation for what they were going to do over the last month of the offseason to get ready for the season. Both these guys don't have that. That's not a criticism. There's nothing wrong with not enrolling early. But I have questions about could they actually come in and be contributors right away. Now, hopefully as the year goes on, those are players that as they get better acclimated, with the program, with what's expected of them, could step in and be contributors. But I'm not sure they could do it right away. However, one player that did have a really good spring, Zach Chapman. And Zach is not the biggest guy in the world. Listed at 6'5", 250, not sure what kind of weight he's put on in the offseason. Three-star player coming out of high school from Missouri City, Texas, Fort Ben Marshall, one of the better programs in the state. Had a real impressive offer list. Baylor, Boston College, Colorado, Georgia Tech. Um, LSU was involved late in that process. And Zach was an uh, impressive guy coming off the edge. Another player that had a really good spring. That's someone to, to look for as we talk about this defensive line and what they're going to do. Jonathan backs. Jonathan Bax is listed as an edge. I'm not sure where exactly he fits uh, for this TCU defense, if he'll be more of a stand-up outside linebacker. But he's from New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, 6'2", 230, so pretty slight. But great quickness, great versatility, and someone that impressed Joe Gillespie through spring practice and is somebody who maybe could be you know, an edge player guy that could bring the pressure, could create havoc. And that's what you're going to need for this defense. You're going to need guys that are coming from different angles. So, again, Dominic Williams' numbers on on their own by themselves, pretty modest. But the impact that he had on the team last year was huge. And is there anyone that could sort of – replicate that as a true freshman this year? I'm not sure. Maybe it's a combination of those players. Jonathan Backs would be my first guess as a guy who could have an impact on the defensive line, on the linebacker group. Those true freshmen that are coming in and starting fall camp tomorrow, I'm not sure about. But I like what TCU is doing from a recruiting standpoint on the D-line. Um, Travis Jackson from Tyler Legacy, four-star player who – has a great offer list. Alabama offered him right before he committed to TCU. Um, they just went and got Sterling Brooks, the local product for North Crowley, who's a big physical presence in the middle. There's a lot of momentum, and I like the, I, I like the way that, you know, things are moving on the recruiting front from TCU uh, from a defensive line perspective. And you just hope, could somebody come in and make it happen right away. It would be a huge boost for this team because it's one of the biggest question marks for this team this year. Can they find a way to be competitive on the D line and uh, not get shoved around? Because as I said before, there's no way to scheme around that. There's no way to scheme around just getting beat up front. And so we'll see how that plays out as practice starts. When we come back, is tomorrow the last stand? for George Kalakoff in the Pac-12. We'll discuss it next in Lockdown on Heartfronts. eBay Motors. You see the website right there, ebaymotors.com. Right parts, right fit, right prices. You cannot cut corners when it comes to your vehicle. Like You have to get the right parts. You have to get what your vehicle needs. It's like having a championship team. You have to make sure every player is a perfect fit. Same thing when it comes to your vehicle. So the next time you need parts and accessories, go to eBay Motors. Here's why I love eBay Motors. I've told you about this before. They have a guaranteed fit program. You can be sure every part you need fits right. You just add it to my garage. Look for the green check mark to know that the part will fit or your money back. Even people like me who are stupid when it comes to cars, I can figure it out. If you go to ebaymotors.com, you'll be pleased too. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. So Go with their money-back guarantee. They have over 122 million parts to choose from, and they'll make sure you're back in the game in no time. It's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Right parts, right fit, right prices. ebaymotors.com. If you're watching on YouTube, you see it here on the screen. ebaymotors.com. They are a proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network, and we appreciate their sponsorship. Realignment talk. Uh, We've done a lot of this lately because things have been happening, frankly. I mean, Colorado made the move late last week. The Pac-12 is now scrambling to figure out what to do next. The Big 12 has been very active and very aggressive with trying to add teams. And so some news started leaking out today to set the stage. Uh, Arizona is having a Board of Regents meeting tomorrow afternoon an executive session and there is speculation that it could be the arizona board voting to move the university of arizona from the pac-12 to the big 12. Um, those meetings have to be public which it is there has been no uh, reported or official announcement about what exactly the meeting about but it would make sense that arizona um, would want to get this done. Now, I'm surprised if it happens. I'm surprised it's happening this quickly. Usually these things take time. However, we know that this has been – the writing's been on the wall for a while for the Pac-12. Arizona has been one of the schools that have been linked most closely uh, to the Big 12. And so I guess it's not – it shouldn't surprise me because this has probably been talked about at length in detail for a long time. And now that movement is happening, it might just be as simple as putting some finishing touches on the deal, make sure everybody's on the same page, lawyers are on the same page, and getting the ball rolling with uh, the move to the Big 12. Also, it leaked out today, Jason Shear, who covers Arizona for Wildcat Authority, which is a 247 um, network and the 247 affiliate of Arizona. Um, He's been very on top of realignment from the get-go especially when it comes to the school he covers, obviously. But he's had good info on the Pac-12, what they're thinking, what they're doing. And he said today on Twitter um, that they're expected to get numbers tomorrow. George Goliath is expected to uh, meet with Pac-12 presidents tomorrow morning and give them a good idea of what the TV numbers are, what the media deal is. I'm trying to pull up his official tweet so I can um, communicate it to you and let you know exactly what is said. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic followed up and said something similar, that the, they're, they're expecting to get numbers tomorrow. There's an executive session for the Regents of Arizona tomorrow. So it makes sense that if the numbers are not sufficient, that Arizona could say, okay, it's time to make the move. Um, Jason Shear said on Twitter today Sources indicate to Wildcat Authority The Pac-12 will hold a meeting tomorrow Numbers will be presented But there's pessimism within the conference This could be George Glykoff's last stand In keeping the conference together So tomorrow morning Expected, or I guess Tuesday morning You're listening to this Tuesday morning As expected, Pac-12 presidents are going to meet uh, George, the commissioner Will give an update He's supposed to give concrete numbers and then people make their decisions from there. Jason Shear also told 365 Sports today that he is hearing uh, that the numbers are in the 20 million dollar range. That's the numbers he's going to give Pac-12 presidents tomorrow, and that it's mostly streaming. Uh, probably Apple TV is the the big player here. That's going to have most of the big most of Pac-12 games. That there are escalators, um, basically incentives based on. What they do from a ratings perspective, et cetera, that could bump that up. But the base is going to be between 20 and 22 million dollars. If that is accurate, that's almost 10 million dollars less than what the Big 12 is going to be bringing in on a yearly basis. And so that would certainly give motivation um, to Pac 12 teams, notably Arizona, who has been, you know, sort of flirting with the Big 12 for a long time to make this move. I don't know what Oregon and Washington do. I think it's a tricky situation with the Big 12. Ultimately, if they wanted to come over and make this happen, I think the Big 12 would do it. It feels like Oregon and Washington are hoping for a Big 10 life raft. They want to get to the Big 10. They want to move on there. Um, and maybe they do say, hey, we'll just stick with it for now. We're going to add some teams, add San Diego State, add SMU, whatever the case may be, and we're going to ride this out and hopefully – You know, when this media deal is done, there will be better opportunities. But maybe they do consider a move to the Big 12. If the Big 12 just gets Arizona, then the Pac-12 is in a pretty precarious situation because those two schools, Colorado and Arizona, on their own, not the bell cows of the league, obviously, not teams that have lately been great at football. Arizona's very proud basketball history and a good basketball program. But still... The Pac-12 being down to eight teams, excuse me, they would have to expand. It would be necessary to survive that they expand, and they would have to expand quickly and then begin the process of getting the best media rights deal that they could moving forward. Uh, But it feels like the Big 12 is about to add Arizona, which would would push the league to 14 teams, and then they would have options – on what they want to do from there. If they wanted to stay put at 14, they could do that. If they wanted to push really hard for the Pacific Northwest with Washington or Arizona, they could do that. If they wanted to explore the East Coast options that Brett Yormark has reportedly been talking about, like UConn or St. John's, they would have that ability. They have done a great job, the league has, of staying flexible, of pivoting and understanding like, oh, we got an opportunity here. We should take it right now, and, I mean, it's hard not to give Brett Yormark a lot of credit for how this has played out. Um, This has also been one of those strange things where it's gone on for so long and everybody has different sources. A good thing to understand, if if information's getting leaked, it's coming from somebody, obviously, and there's a reason why it's getting leaked. And there are people that have done a good job of trying to stay kind of above the nonsense. But um, the Pac-12 Big 12 stuff has gotten very personal over the last year or so. And so even if Arizona joins, I think there's still going to be a lot of, you know, narrative shifting and stories told, depending on who's listening to who. But it definitely feels like the Big 12 is getting – the better of the PAC 12 right now. And they have a potential to add another school possibly as early as tomorrow, even though, as everybody knows, these things can take time. And I think it'll take a little bit of time for everything to sort of move and shift and, um, you know, happen moving forward. But that is the latest on PAC 12, big 12 expansion talk. And what could happen tomorrow when we come back, we'll just sort of bounce around and hit some news. we got some more football notes, basketball, and baseball as well. It's locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. Uh, so one football note that came down today, and I am not going to. So we're, we are in the month or time of year where watch list happens. Um, and what I mean by that is there's all these different awards around the country for college football players. And so you'll see a bunch of names get added. And I'm sure a lot of TCU players will be on different watch lists. Uh, Chandler Morris was named to the Maxwell Award watch list today. Um, it's presented annually to the most outstanding player in college football. Of course, Max Duggan was the runner to the Heisman Trophy last year. Um, Chandler has done, you know, he's he's had a great game in his career against Baylor. But I'm not going to get like – Super excited about these things because there's a lot of these lists. Um, there's a lot of players that could add to them, and so yeah, I think Chandler Morris had an outstanding season. I think he has the potential to be a great quarterback. Um, and hopefully he is on the Maxwell watch list all season long because if he is, that means he's playing at a high level and that means TCU is getting it done on the field. But that's your, you know, that's your football watch list note today. I'm not going to, um, go real deep and into detail on all those, but it's fun. It's out there. It's off season content. And it means we're getting closer to football season, which is really cool. And I think this will be an interesting fall camp for Chandler to see what his confidence level is, um, where he is and, you know, understanding and digesting the new offense with Kendall Bryles and what he's going to be moving forward. But he was named to the Maxwell, Award watch list: the award given to the most outstanding player in college football. Um, some basketball notes: TCU basketball released their non-conference schedule today, and you know, famously, TCU basketball, Jimmy Dixon, he seems to have philosophy of they don't extend themselves too much in non-conference play. Uh, typically, they will play a couple power five teams, and then mostly it's. G5 teams or D2 teams, just trying to get the, the fit right, trying to make sure everybody's on the same page. And so they announced their non-conference slate. Um, this one feels and seems better than most years. They're going to host Southern uh, Southern Omaha, UT Road, Grand Valley, Mississippi Valley State, Alcorn State, and Houston Christian throughout November. So that's your typical, like, I guess you want to call them cupcake games. Games where you try to get right. Um, Who did they lose to last year? That was just absolutely ridiculous. I can't remember. They won their first game of the season, their season opener, just barely. And then they lost uh, game two of the season against one of those teams that they definitely shouldn't have. But it happens from time to time. They also will face Georgetown in the Big 12, Big East battle. They played Georgetown a couple years ago um, in Washington, D.C., and beat them there, but they're going to get the Hoyas again. Uh, They'll play the Sun Devils, the Arizona State Sun Devils, um, in Dickey's Arena, and everybody remembers that that was their first-round opponent last year in the NCAA tournament, won that game in dramatic fashion. Jacoby Cole's hitting that layup um, as time was ticking down and time was expiring. And uh, then they'll play in the Diamond Head Classic, And it it sounds like the tournament details are still being ironed out, but it's going to take place in Hawaii. Um, And they're going to get to match up with uh, Clemson as well this year. Uh, Clemson, they're going to play them in the Hall of Fame series in Toronto, Ontario on December 9th. Um, And then they have one final non-conference game against Texas A&M Commerce on January 1st. So a pretty good mix this year. I mean, you get Georgetown, they'll play Clemson, Um, they'll play Arizona state. So if you power five opponents and then, you know, your usual sort of, Hey, let's figure things out. Let's make sure we uh, have the right starting five. We can sort of tinker and experiment against some of those lesser teams. Um, and they're going to need that this year because this is a whole new crew. This is sort of the age of the transfer portal, but Jameer Nelson Jr. Come in running point. Um, Trey Tennyson, Uh, The shooter from Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, coming over. Avery Anderson from Oklahoma State. Ernest Udaya Jr. from Kansas. Uh, It's a brand new crew. And so uh, they're going to have to work some things out through non-conference play as they get ready for the actual regular season um, and get ready for Big 12 basketball, which, as we know, is the toughest basketball conference in the country. Also, TCU baseball added a couple arms today. Um, So we'll close with that. and. First off, they added Baylor pitcher Blake Rogers. Uh, Rogers is 6'5", 230, so big kid. Um, He pitched for Baylor last year, but not a lot. Only seven total innings as a true freshman. Had an ERA of 7.71. Struck out eight batters and walked three. Um, So somebody that came out of the pen sparingly last year for Baylor. Didn't have amazing numbers. Had a really good high school career, though. Um, and so I think that's really what TCU banking on a young guy with a lot of potential. He was a Northern California pitcher of the year as a senior in high school, had a 0.80 ERA and a nine 0 no record um, and has a fastball in the low nineties with good secondary pitches. And that's reporting is coming from Jamie Plunk of two, four, seven sports. And so uh, this makes sense. You know, you're kind of betting on a guy that didn't pitch a lot as a freshman, but it's pretty electric stuff. And was really effective in high school and so you'll just sort of see what he has they also added zach morris from uh not from saved by the bell but from arkansas and if you recognize that name because you follow college baseball for a while zach morris it's a veteran um he's a rising senior had a 4.77 era for his career jamie plunkett tweeted that out earlier on monday evening um had a really good year in 2021 coming out of the bullpen And I have a great year last year, but TCU will see if they can, you know, get him back on the right track. I think it's interesting some of the guys they've added. I'll say that they're definitely banking on a lot of potential. Um, Kyle Lakers from Houston doesn't have great numbers. Electric Stuff doesn't have great numbers. Um, You know, we we talked about the two guys today, Blake Rogers and Zach Morris. Zach Morris is a vet, but – really struggled last season. Uh, Blake Rogers seems to have impressive stuff, was super impressive in high school, did not do great in his one-year pitching at Baylor. So they're definitely you know going after guys that are less proven. And I thought coming off the College World Series appearance, they would be able to land more proven players in the portal. But we'll see what happens. I mean, Kirk Sarlos has earned the benefit of the doubt, especially when it comes to pitching. Um, even guys like Ben Hampton – Threw a lot of innings for West Virginia last year. Wasn't like a shutdown guy, but, again, you know, is serviceable. And they do have great pitching coming back with Cole Klecker and Luis Rodriguez once he's healthy. Um, Caden Parker should be healthy this year after having Tommy John surgery a couple seasons ago. Uh, ben Abel out of the bullpen. And so it, it feels like they're going after more power arms and maybe these guys they've added – with higher ERAs, they're just going to be situational, right? Like they're not going to be asked to do a lot. They're just going to have to be coming in different spots and get it done. Um, but I do find it interesting that the names and the production level of the guys that they have added this offseason. Okay, fall camp reporting today. Practice starts tomorrow. We'll have more coverage the rest of the week. Thank you for tuning in today. It's Locked on Horned Frogs, and it's your team every day.